So I'm going to preach a bit this morning about being connected to the head and staying connected to the head. And being a Christian is quite a radical and quite a dangerous thing because there's this epic saying that you can't unring a bell. Like this bell that we got out here. Once you've rung that thing, like you cannot call that sound back. It goes out and it's done. And being a Christian is kind of like that. It's like you give your life to Jesus. You ask him to come in and he does this miracle of transformation in you. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come, right? Which sounds amazing. But the next part, it says the old is gone. So what you were is now dead. And the new is here. And the thing is that when you give your life to Jesus and you die to what you were, you're reborn as this spirit being. You're not, I mean, I'm a bag of meat and bones inhabited actually by a spirit that has been awakened to life again by the work of the cross and by the power of the Holy Spirit. But what that means is that what sustained me and carried me before through life can no longer actually feed and nourish me. And actually from now on, the only source of life and hope for me as a Christian, as one who knows Jesus, is Him. And I'm not saying that I spend all my time in meditation on his face and never eat. Like, yes, this body still requires, you know, the nourishment. I'm talking about the things that really bring life, life forever. Because you can starve me in this life and I'll die. But all that means is that this bag of meat and bones is going to stop moving. What is essentially me is going to carry on into eternity with Jesus. The Bible says some beautiful things about becoming a Christian, about giving yourself to Him. And we've hit this, I mean, yeah, so much. You guys are going to get this, but like we're one body, many parts. Like we've spoken so much into that thing that every part of the body is so important and meaningful and has, you know, a call and a destiny. But when you become a part of the body, you actually, you die to your own individuality. So like if you're the finger... Like the finger gives up just being the finger on its own when it was joined to my body. It is now a part of me. It serves me and it derives its nourishment and its nutrition and everything it needs for life from my body as well. And actually we become this one thing. But so often we love that picture because we all love having our little tribe and our family and our place of belonging and it is beautiful. Like, I firmly believe that church like that as one body is how God designed it to be. But I want to show you something in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13. It says, we're all baptized by one spirit into one body. That's how you got here. If you're part of this body... one spirit that's what got you in that's what sustains you that's what keeps you going you can attend this church all you want you can come to every meeting but it's his spirit actually that joins you in and if we lose that if we lose that connection with him 
then what are we? Just an association, just a bunch of people hanging out. It's like, no, if we lose connection with the head. So we're all parts of this new body, but it's not just by random association. It's by the work of the cross and the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But the thing is that being part of a body is quite hard. It costs you. For my hand to be part of my body, my hand gives up just wanting to do its own thing and run off and, you know, it's kind of got to stay connected. But it stays connected through my body to the head. And this is what terrifies me is that you can actually cut my hand off. Okay? My body's not going to work quite as well. I'm going to have to put the microphone down when I want to drink water because now I've only got one hand. But the hand will die, but the body will keep going on because the hand is actually separated. But if you take the head off, the whole body dies. And what's scary is often the body doesn't even know it's dead. Howard gave me such a cool illustration earlier. Like, there's a snake, and you take a spade, and you sack that thing. That body will keep moving for a long time. It doesn't even know it's dead yet. But that thing is not coming back for life. Being a Christian is quite a crazy thing. The world thinks that actually as Christians, we're these softies. We're all baby Jesus, meek and mild. Like if you slap them, they won't slap back. Tender. And we try and be that. We do. Like we, we are loving. We are gentle in spirit. We're changed actually to try and be a lot more like Jesus. But man, being a Christian is probably one of the hardest things you'll do because it'll set you up against the world. It will change the way you live. It'll cost you actually your life. Like Jesus says, if anyone would follow me, he needs to deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. Like it's, it's hard and it isn't. Because if you understand the glory actually of what Jesus is calling you to, and if you understand that he's actually calling you to do it with him, it becomes an easier thing to carry. Because here's the thing, Jesus is the one who gave me life. He is the one who sustains life in me. Why were we singing that song that he wants all of us? Like how it even stopped and said, guys, like, is this really true? Do you want Jesus to have all of you? Do you know why it's so important? Do you know why Jesus wants all of you? Because only the parts of you he has are the parts that are alive. Like that's it. I almost want to rob you of a little bit hope of hope this morning as a Christian. Like you have nothing outside of him. Nothing that's going to last. Like there's no life. Any part of you that's not given over and connected to him is lying there on the ground, twitching, slowly dying. And so that's why we give it all to Jesus, so that he can actually give it all life again. And I love guys like Paul, you know, the apostle. If you read some of the scriptures, like I love his boasts sometimes. He's quite upfront about who he is. If you read him, often when I read Paul, I'm like, why did so many oaks actually follow this guy? Like he refers to himself. He's like, I'm not eloquent. some great super apostle. He actually calls other apostles super apostles. Like Paul, for me, he's the apostle. But he's even, he says, like, I'm not, you know, I'm not a super apostle. Just a guy who God has called. But if you look at his life, like Paul gives himself to the church, right? He pours himself out for what Jesus 
has called him to. And I love some of the stuff that goes down in Paul's life. He, he's whipped. He's beaten. He's stoned. He's shipwrecked. He spends a night and a day adrift at sea. He's endangered by robbers, betrayed by friends, betrayed by countrymen. Talks about how he spends sleepless nights, hungry nights, naked nights. Don't know how that happened, but apparently at times he was just fasting and naked like cold. Then he says this insane thing in Philippians 4.13. He says, I know how to be content regardless of my circumstances. I can do all things through perseverance and good character. Why are you nodding at misquoted scripture? Are you just going to let me fly with that? No. Don't do all things by perseverance. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Look at a guy like Paul. Like, How did he retain such joy and conviction through his life? How did he suffer all of that and still carry such a deep conviction of what he was called to in God and do it with such a heart to serve and love the Lord? Well, through Christ. No great secret. Like he was connected. But the thing is that this thing we're doing, it gets really, really, really hard when you lose connection with Jesus. Because what you're trying to do is live a life that God calls you to, which is difficult, without Him, who's the one who gives you the grace and the ability to do it. And the Bible's full of scriptures about this. John 15, verse 4 to 5, says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. Let me just rob a little bit more hope from you this morning. No branch can bear fruit by itself. You want to bear fruit, stay connected. If you're not, do not be surprised when there is no fruit. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Quite a scary scripture, but actually really liberating when you start to understand how much Jesus actually wants this connection with you and how actually accessible he is. And this is the thing about the body. In Ephesians 4, it's actually talking, talking about the gifts that God gives to the church. So guys like apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, to build us up as a body. It talks about these gifts coming in to build the body up. So that in all things, we will grow up into him who is the head. That is Christ. Go on to the next part there. And it says, from him, from Christ, the whole body is joined together and held by every supporting ligament. And it grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Like I look at my kids and I don't know how they grow. I just know they do. I kind of feed them and their brain tells their body to do something and this body just naturally grows for as long as I keep their head connected to the rest of them. 
which I try and do. A lot of my time is devoted to keeping my children's heads connected to their bodies. But there's this sense that like, actually the head is, is the thing that controls the whole of your body. You cut off the arm, you'll live. Cut off a leg, you'll live. Stab you through the lung, you'll live for a while. But man, you take the head and the body just doesn't even know what to do anymore. It stops working. Like how many of you have actually just ever sat on your leg for a really long time so it goes dead and numb? You know that feeling? It's like you've cut off blood and the nerves, which are the things that connect your body to the brain, to the center, like they stop working and your leg try and stand on that thing and it can't take weight it's got no feeling it's got no sensation it's really uncomfortable and that's the picture like that thing is actually in a sense temporarily cut off from the head and it's dying and so we need to stay just connected to this person of Jesus and it's you you ask me how how do I stay connected well hang out with him how do my kids stay connected to me? A lot of the time they just come. Like, I love it. It was actually such a cool picture in worship this morning. I'm not trying to put myself up as anything here, but I'm, I'm kind of the guy leading and I've got the microphone and I've got some stuff to do here. And my kids don't care about any of that. They don't care about my title. They're like, oh, that's dad. Jet come like fishing in my pockets trying to find a suite and walking off with my Leatherman. And there's this picture that actually, I think often we view Jesus as the guy up front with the microphone. Which I hope none of you feel that way. Like, if you want stuff out of my pockets, please go for it. Like, just, I'm nothing, actually. Here you go, bro. What do you want? Leatherman. You, got, you want a... Do you want a sweet, bro? Got a hold. <laughs> but actually, like, that's the picture of Jesus, guys. Like, that is literally, that's how accessible God is. Like... You're not interrupting God. Howard's not interrupting me there. He's like, hey, you, may, you put out an invite. I'm going to take that up. I wouldn't script that. It's actually how he just understands his Bible. It's beautiful. But actually, like, that's the picture of Jesus. Like, you just come and you say, like we did this morning. It's like we didn't have a prayer meeting. That doesn't mean, like, oh, whoa, guys, we didn't have a prayer meeting, so I don't know if we're going to spend time. It's like, no, actually, there's a, now's a good time. Let's just come. And it was a beautiful worship time. It was epic. And this is why Jesus died, man. Not so that you can serve him, but so that you could know him. It doesn't say for God so needed deacons. Or for God so wanted servants. So no, no. For God so loved that he gave his only sons that whoever believes in him would not die, but would have eternal life. You know what eternal life is according to the Bible? To know Him and Him who He sent, Jesus. That is the whole point of your eternity, guys. Heaven is only heaven because God is there. That's what makes it cool. That's what makes it heaven. Why are we so quick to lose connection with Him here then? If that's what we're going to be doing forever. And even this church, how many of you came and joined this church because you came to a home group and you felt so loved? People were interested in you. 
They invited you to meals. They asked you questions about your life. Loved you, served you. That's why I joined church, I'll be dead honest. And then I met Jesus. And I was like, oh, this, this is what they're talking about. This is why these guys love so differently. And actually, that's why I love people. I want to be a representation of Jesus. I love you with ulterior motives. Absolutely. I love you because, man, I want to introduce you to someone who loves way better than I do. I can feed you for a day. He'll feed you forever. He'll love you forever. He'll give you life that I can't even come close to. I'm just the middleman in a lot of ways. Even for those of you in this church, it's almost like if you're here because you just felt loved in a fine family, it's beautiful. Stay. Stay for as long as you can. But know that the point is actually that we want to introduce you to someone. And we'll keep trying for that. Because I want you to know the head. I want you to have life in all of your body forever and ever and ever. How do you know if you've lost connection? Or when things stop looking like Jesus? That's often when we know we've lost it. Because here's the thing. The head is what gives us life and allows us to do life the way he calls us to. And when we lose connection from him, the body is built to survive. And so we go back to how we used to live, which is flesh. Because that worked at a time. That sustained us at a time so often one of the biggest signs is like are you seeing sin just creep in old habits coming back and taking ground and taking up territory maybe you've lost connection to the head have you lost lost grace for one another I tell you the more I spend time with Jesus the more I'm aware of how much he's forgiven me, how freely he's loved me, and the greater capacity it gives me to love other people like that. But the less time I spend with him, the more I just see how much you're falling short and you're offending me and you're poking me. And you're... Lost connection with the head. Have you lost your love for him? Let me tell you, if I don't remain closely connected to Ali we become very functional very quickly and then all you know you can so easily just become roommates raising children instead of actually like lovers close intimate you're falling out of love with him maybe you've just forgotten what he's like because you're busy you lost connection Or when you start to lose the love for the things he loves, other people, his church, the difficult to love people, none of you, you guys all. But the difficult to love people, when that really starts to become hard in us again, it's maybe, Jesus, I've lost connection with you. Because when I'm with you, I remember how hard I was to actually love. And I was that guy, just... Side note, for those of you who feel like you've just been loving and loving and loving and people are not coming through, I was that guy in this church for four years 
I had someone love me consistently for four years and I was hard. But it broke through. Hey, now I'm a softie. Yeah. So do you lose affection for the things he loves? Things like worship. Do we find it hard to worship? Let me tell you, the more I see of Jesus, the more, like the only response I can have is worship. It's like when I see him, I'm like, Jesus, man, I can stand here with all my own issues and my pride and my concerns and say, Lord, you're worthy of it all. And it means nothing because actually, I'll I'll do it, I'll carry it. But man, when I see him, I'm like, no, no, Jesus, really. My only response to him can be worship. Prayer. His word. Let me tell you, if you read that book, outside of him, it'll kill you. It'll just become a burden. But if you read it, connect it to him, it'll give you so much life. Church. Do I come and do my duty I hate that word do I come and do my duty just because I've been told to because if I don't someone's going to phone me but you know what actually I'm going to do it kind of half-heartedly and I'm just going to come late and actually I'm only really doing it because I'm obligated to have you lost connection with the head because actually to serve him in his household it's a privilege man it is an honor I stand here like I'm aware of the honor that he has given me to be able to come and love you and to preach his word and to serve you and to carry his heart to you i'm like lord please man never think this is something i'm obligated to do or a duty i carry i like i just want to change the name of some of our groups man kids privilege tea and coffee privilege welcome team privilege because actually what you get to do in doing those things and doing them well and doing them with a heart to serve him is saying, guys, this is what Jesus is like. What an honor to carry that. But man, outside of connection to him, it will just become a duty. And it'll just suck to do it. It'll lose all its joy. Have you lost your joy? It's another big one. Christianity, man, it is hard. It does cost you. And even serving in a church, man, it'll cost you. Preaching, leading, like it costs me often. I'm like, Lord, this is tiring. And it is because it's a labor. But it's a labor of love for as long as I'm connected to him. If I lose connection, this thing just becomes, I don't want to do this. Do we start just operating in our own ability? And this is the one that scares me because we all want to be mature. We don't want to give up. We don't want to just tap out. We want to be those who succeed and are faithful. And so very often, even when we lose connection with the head, we'll just keep doing the stuff because it's important that it gets it done. But actually, we're operating entirely out of flesh and not out of faith. Here's the terrifying thing. Anything you do without faith it is impossible to please God. So let that sink in. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. The Bible also says faith will lead to good works. But good works without faith, 
dead works. Anything you do for the Lord without faith, you're better off not doing it. How's that? But this faith one is tricky with us. We love to, I think sometimes we mistake preference for faith. I've seen this in my life, but also we're Christians, so we like to use the right language for things. So someone asks me to do something, I'm like, ah, bro, honestly, I don't have the faith. Often what I mean is, that's not my preference. But what is faith? You don't have these scriptures, I'm just going to read them. Hebrews 11, verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hopeful, the conviction of things not seen. So this verse defines faith as a confident assurance in the things we hope for and a conviction of the things unseen. So faith is this. I am convinced beyond a doubt, having asked Jesus that this is what he's asking me. That's faith. I've asked him and I've heard him say, I want you to do that. When I've heard the Lord like that, guys, I don't care how long I run, how tired I get, how much it costs me. I'm not a super pioneering oak, actually. I operate very well under mandate. If someone comes into me and says, Adam, I'm giving you authority and something to do, I will, won't stop me. I get this in work a lot. Like my qualification gives me certain levels of authority and mandate. And when I've got that, like I'm quite a, terrifying oak to be up against if I'm honest but when I don't when I'm unsure then I struggle and often we're carrying things actually where the Lord hasn't asked us to this is the big thing often when something gets burdensome and hard for me often like Lord actually is this thing hard because it's not something you've asked me to carry And if so, like, I need to actually just put that stuff down and get connected to him again. But Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes from hearing. How do you hear if you don't ask? Hearing through the word of Christ. So when you tell me you don't have faith, my question is, have you asked him? Have you spoken to him? Have you heard from him? Or is this just a matter of preference? Because when we start losing faith, maybe, again, we've lost connection. The good news is, though, that if you've lost connection, you can get it back. And we're going to do a bit of that this morning. But the first thing you need to understand this is that God loves you. So when it comes to connection, this is the one thing I need you to be absolutely, unchangeably convinced of, is that God loves you. And His love is not dependent entirely on you. Romans 5 verse 8, it says, God demonstrates His love for us in this, that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. So you didn't even know him yet. You were still trapped in all of your shortcomings in flesh. And Jesus looks at you and says, you know what? I love you so much so that I'm going to lay down my life. 
And you need to get that. If you are here, Jesus loved you enough to die for you and loves you still. And that he died for our sins. So the stuff that separates us from him, the guilt that you're sitting right now here carrying, thinking, Jesus, I don't even want to come close to you because I'm so aware of my own stuff. Jesus is like, guess what? I know that stuff too. In fact, I died for it. But this is what the enemy comes. He comes with accusation. comes with guilt. And actually in preparing this, I felt this really ridiculous picture from God that I just am actually going to share with you. I want you to picture a really, really old dog that's lost all its teeth. And it's got these like sif blunt pink gums. And that thing is sitting there and it's chewing on your leg. It's annoying, but it's not doing any damage. And actually, that's the picture I want you to carry when accusation comes. And the enemy comes and says, yeah, I know what you did this week. I saw that stuff you did. I see what's in your heart. Let me tell you, if you've confessed that stuff and repented of it, it's a toothless old dog chewing on your leg. It's annoying, but it's not going to do any damage if you know who he is. There is forgiveness for your sins, and there is new mercy every single morning. I'm trying to train myself to do this, but I'm trying to wake up every morning and say, Jesus, new mercy. As my first thought, I don't always went off and I'm like coffee. Jesus, new mercy. But there's new mercy for you. It's in the Bible. Feel scandalous. It is. Welcome to the love of Jesus. New mercy every morning. The other thing you need to be convinced of is that you are actually inseparable from his love. So what I mean is no circumstance can keep you from him. No degree of poverty or ill health or abuse or hurt or wealth can keep you from him. And I'll show you that in Romans 8 verse 38. It says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, can you that? death cannot separate you from God. Imagine that. Like death separates you from everything but him. For the Christian, death is graduation. It's my graduation day, guys. Not today. I'm not prophesying that. <laughs> the day I die, that's my graduation. I'm like, it'll be sad for you, but man, I'll be celebrating. I'll be with Jesus. I'm convinced that neither death nor life, but no angels, no demons. Demons cannot even separate you from the love of God. Neither the present nor the future. Not height or depth or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
How's that for a scripture just to think on? Actually, can we just let's all close our eyes and I'm just going to read that again slowly. And as I read it, just like really think on what this means. That I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons neither the present nor the future nor any powers not height or depth or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Just think about that for a second and what it means for life and for relationship with Him. as you eat that thing, do you start to feel a sense of Jesus actually like connection with you is possible? You know, the only real thing that does bring separation is our own sin. It does. Like that's the sad reality of sin and why I hate it so much is that sin in my life, it creates a rift in the relationship between me and God. It creates a distance. And for me, that's often my go-to point. I'm like, Jesus, I've lost connection. My first thing is, Lord, have I sinned? Is there something in me that's creating the distance? Is there something in me that doesn't look like you? Let me tell you, for as long as you are willing to repent of that thing, the Lord will forgive you. For as long as you are willing to repent of it, the Lord will forgive you. I know we all struggle with things. And it's the habitual, difficult sin that gets us again and again, that actually breaks us down. Because we become convinced of this thing, that like, Lord, I repented, but I did it again. I repented and I did it again. And we start to think like, Lord, there's no more forgiveness for me. Can I tell you, for as long as as you're willing to repent, the Lord will forgive you. It's at that point where we say, actually, Lord, this is not sin and I'm just going to do it. Then, yeah, now you're in danger. Man, for as long as you are struggling, and I love this, people come to me and they're like, Adam, I'm struggling with sin. First question is, are you struggling? Are you actually pitched into the battle and engaging and trying and fighting and getting accountable and repenting. and Because if you are, then yes, you're struggling with sin. And I almost want to say, like, struggling with sin is okay. As long as you're struggling it and fighting it. And coming to the Lord on your knees and saying, Jesus, I've sinned. Because he died for those. And there is new mercy. For as long as you're willing to repent. So I want to ask you those questions. Like... Are you feeling connected to the head? And if not, is it sin? If it is, here's what you do. Jesus, I'm so sorry. And I'll go to Anton. Anton, I just want to confess to you as a brother, I've sinned. You don't all have to bomb Anton like you can. 
but you confess it. The Bible says, like, this is how we deal with it. We bring it out into the open. We confess it. We repent. And then Jesus does this insane thing. He removes it. And then this is the part that blows my mind. Jesus, who knows everything, exists outside of space and time, can choose to forget something. He can take it out of his memory so that it's gone and he remembers it no more. It doesn't mean he stashes it away and waits till next time and says, ha, again, no. He actually control, delete, gone. And then when you come to him, if you genuinely repent and say, Lord, I sinned in this thing again. He's like, Jesus, what do you mean again? To me, it's as if it's the first time. It's genuine repentance. Like, that's wild. Are we so busy just in doing the things of God that we've missed Him? That can happen easier than you think. And unfortunately, it's part of our default. There's this guy, Damon Thompson, who I quite enjoy listening to. But he says this, he's like, so often we spend our time trying to do all the right things and not do all the wrong things so that we can please God because we have this kind of idea that in pleasing Him, we'll have access to Him. It's the wrong way around. He says, I've never met anyone who spent time with Jesus who doesn't leave with the desire to be more holy. But we do it the other way around. Spending so much time, you want to serve Jesus? to serve him love him spend time with him that's why he died Jesus did not die so that you could serve tea and coffee Jesus did not die so that you could arrive at time you know for duty Jesus died so that he could have relationship and friendship with you and out of that out of spending time with him yes Lord now I want to serve you Jesus how where can I serve We're so just wrapped up in the stuff that's been done to us and in the pain we carry. Jesus looks at you and says, Dude, why are you trying to carry it alone? Let me help you. In fact, let me take it on me. And he wants to carry that stuff for us. Are we unforgiving? That's the other big thing that'll keep us from intimacy with him. Someone did something to me that's just so wrong that it's just unforgivable. But Jesus says, if you don't forgive, you cannot be forgiven. And if you cannot be forgiven, how do you get new mercy? If you can't have that sin washed away, how do you get intimacy? Your own unforgiveness will be, it's your prison for as long as you want to stay in it. It's the scary thing about unforgiveness. It's a prison, but you're the one holding the door shut. 